1: get the jab that's the message from this creep i mean creep in australia this guy is the northern territory chief minister
2: get a load of this ask yourself these three questions in my work do i come into contact with vulnerable people Is my workplace at a higher risk of infection? Do I work on infrastructure or logistics that are critical to the Territory? If your answer is maybe, or I don't know, you need to get the jab. Critically, the direction also applies to industries who directly face customers in circumstances where the worker may not know the vulnerability of the person they are interacting with. So it is simple. If your job includes interacting with members of the public then you need to get the jab. If you work in hospitality, you need to get the jab. If you work in retail or in a supermarket, you need to get the jab. If you are behind the counter at the bank, if you're a receptionist or positions like that, you need to get the jab. If you are a barber, a hairdresser, a beauty therapist, you need to get the jab. All these workers and many, many more directly interact with members of the public. That means you are frontline workers in our economy. That means you must be vaccinated. Of course, there can be exemptions. But these are extremely narrow and must be backed up with medical evidence. Simply not wanting the vaccine is not a reason. Today, we are also announcing the date from which this mandate comes into effect. From Saturday, the 13th of November, if you have not received at least your first dose of a vaccine, you will not be permitted to attend your workplace in that role. And a failure to comply with the direction is a $5,000 fine. That means that workers must have received at least their first dose by Friday the 12th of November at the latest. You have 30 days.
1: You have 30 days. And uh, simply uh, not wanting the vaccine is not a reason. How about that? There are 25 and $5,000 fine. There are 25 million people in Australia uh, I'm sure you've seen the videos. The country's been turned into North Korea. You see pictures of old ladies being sprayed uh, with mace while they're on the ground, being held down by a couple of cops for the crime of leaving their homes without a valid reason over a disease that has killed 80 people under the age of 60 in the entire country. That's 80. 80. A total of 1,448 deaths in the country, 25 million. And the Australian people gave up their guns a few years ago because they trust their government. Pathetic and scary. Boy, is that that's just horrifying to me. Anyway, when we come back, a professor at an historically black university takes a look at the stupidity of critical race theory. And in our second half hour, a woman who has first and first-hand experience of with Katie Couric's devotion to fake news. Stick around. So, you know, the price of everything is going up, and I'm guessing that's going to include cigarettes. And it's, it's always a good time to quit smoking, but it's uh, getting better every day with the costs of everything going up. Um, and so I want to tell you about mynicotinetest.com. It's a way to quit smoking, and it's something that, uh, it's a way to quit nicotine. It could be smoking or even non smoking, um, uh, uh, nicotine if you want to quit it or if you know somebody who does you got to check out mynicotinetest.com it was founded by the director of the New York City Fire Department tobacco program he treated hundreds of first responders after they in- inhaled a ton of smoke at ground zero and being smokers that that put them in even more danger so he looked into it and uh mynicotinetest.com ceo Uh, has been a major thought leader in tobacco treatment for over 30 years. He's treated maybe more tobacco-dependent people than anyone else in the United States. It's a science-based approach, has a quit rate of 70%. You don't have to quit entirely the first day or even in the first week. You quit at your own pace. And as I mentioned, costs are going up and everything. The cost of My Nicotine Tests is about what it, what it costs you for a carton of cigarettes. And it does work for cigarettes, vaping, and chewing tobacco. Go to mynicotinetest.com to see how it works. You can stop without the cravings and cold turkey withdrawals that keep you smoking. Mynicotinetest.com is your best and last stop for your freedom from tobacco. Go to mynicotinetest.com.
3: Mounds and mounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Dickie and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. to one little
2: thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how
3: happy
4: your cat will be. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy.
5: Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part.
6: Linzess, or linacletide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual. Unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBS. C. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Lins S. Learn more at linzess or call one eight hundred L I N Z E S S. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. This is the John Stuckerwalch Show
0: on AM twelve fifty and FM ninety two point five. The Answer.
1: Well, now that the uh, the big guy is threatening to sick the FBI on parents who disrupt school board meetings, whether your kid is being subjected to critical race theory in school is a pretty big deal these days. Wilford C. Riley is a political science professor at Kentucky State. That's an historical black university. He's also an author of many books and he joins us now. Will, thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be back on the show. Yeah, always good to have you. So, um, Terry McAuliffe, who's uh, running for governor in Virginia, has been saying uh, loudly and often that critical race theory is not being taught in Virginia schools. And I just saw somebody tweeted something today, and it it shows a document from the state education department. And it says uh, one of the things it says is that CRT is to be embraced. So how widespread is this where people are saying it's not critical race theory that's being taught, but it really is?
7: I mean, the teaching of critical theory, broadly speaking, as an academic um, in the secondary schools is incredibly widespread, it's almost comprehensive. Uh, Two of the most common sort of pieces of the curriculum that you would see in a typical high school be A People's History of the United States, which is written by Howard Zinn, who's a famous old communist, albeit a good writer, and the new 1619 curriculum, which obviously comes out of the New York Times, comes out of Nicole Hannah-Jones, and it's based on the idea that the United States is almost totally defined by slavery and race wars. I mean, there's a line in that project that says that everything unique about this country comes out of slavery and ethnic conflict. We have racism in our blood and our DNA. So the, that's not critical race theory line that you're hearing is just a, a sort of legal dodge. It's something you'd hear at a scholarly conference or in a courtroom. I mean, what people are saying is not you know we're teaching traditional history or we're teaching you know the ex president seventeen seventy six project or something like that. They're saying that they're teaching a different kind of radical theory than CRT. So they're making this very technical argument like no 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 Howard Zinn is not CRT. And in some of my recent articles, I just say well that that's not really true. If there's a distinction there, it's it's a meaningless one.
1: Yeah, and Howard Zinn's a I don't know if he's an avowed Marxist, but he's pretty much a Marxist, isn't he? And his book is everywhere history of the United States.
7: Yeah, this is something that's... So, I mean, I lean to at least the system myself. I don't think that's any shock to you, and you do too. But this is not some kind of talking point. Like, when you say that, just as the military is very conservative, when you say that academia is full of communists, that isn't just someone's uncle ranting. I mean, there's an economic a web service called Live that looked at the political identifications of people who teach in four-year colleges pretty recently. And in the social sciences, which is where you'd get Howard Zinn and so on, something like 18% of people openly identified as communists. Um, another 26% said they were radicals or they were activists and almost everyone was politically liberal. So yeah, Howard Zinn, who wrote the probably the most widely used textbook in civics or social studies, is, is an absolute radical. I think he, he is an open Marxist. And this is something that's been going on since the 1960s, really. So when parents go in there and say, is there a pretty radical gender curriculum or race curriculum or the the social class stuff, actual critical theories that being taught to my kids, whether you like that or not, the answer is very often yes. And what they're doing is sort of diffusing that. They're saying, well, no, we don't teach critical race theory here we teach you know the value of whiteness curriculum here or something like that but the reality is that if you're just an ordinary businessman looking at this stuff or housewife or whatever there's no difference in practice
1: so we're talking about semantics it's uh, right i mean it doesn't matter what you call it it's pretty much the same thing that's being taught with the same attitude and same core
7: yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, so I actually, I wrote a pretty serious book about some of this taboo. I also talk about, I criticize the alt-right, criticize BLM, but I talk about all these movements that are in the popular space in America right now. And what I say about CRT is that all critical theory grows out of kind of three ideas. The first is that the ordinary systems of society, like locking up rapists and domestic batterers in prison or having standardized testing like the ACT when you go into college, those systems aren't set up for practical reasons. They're set up to oppress minorities. This is very much the idea of communism. Like the goal is the king holding down the poor. That's point one. Point two is that you can tell this oppression is occurring because there's any difference in performance between groups. So, I mean, the communists would obviously reject any genetic explanation for that, and I mostly do myself for that. But they would also reject any cultural explanation, like black kids or southern whites, to study less. The only explanation has to be racism, so if you see a gap, you found racism. And then the solution is equity, which means exact proportional representation. So if you have, uh, for example, you know, 15% Hispanic kids in a gifted program in a school that's 30% Latino, you're going to want to bring in 30% Latino kids. Otherwise, you are a racist. So if you look at those basic ideas, that underlies pretty much all critical stuff. Like it goes through critical theory, critical race theory, you know, privilege studies. Like all of it has these core ideas because it's it's cribbed from the same source, the the same little red book, if you will.
1: And uh, just in the last couple of days, there have been stories, I think it's New York City, I don't know if it's the entire city schools or... one of the boroughs or somewhere, they've decided to, uh, you mentioned gifted, they they decided just to end the gifted programs. And uh, that's for the purpose of what? To make everybody uh, suffer equally? Or, I mean, how, that's the, the typical liberal attitude?
7: Well, there's, there's a famous old story, when it, it like literally like an eight-page story in a, in a storybook, but where they... They put weights around the legs of the best runners to make them slower, and they slash the pretty girl's faces to make them ugly. I forget the title, but there's an inherent point there that's almost animal farmish in its simplicity, right? It's very hard to make everyone good, but it's very easy to make everyone bad. So if you're talking about New York, I'm probably thinking of the demographics of my youth as opposed to now. But if you have, say, remedial classes that are Italian-American, black, Puerto Rican kids, whatnot, and you have advanced classes that are Jewish, Irish, German-American kids, the only reason for that has to be racism. And if you find it difficult to integrate those gifted classes, one one way to deal with that is just to get rid of the gifted program. So you're now seeing that around the country. You're seeing schools that are, say, half white and half black, especially in the South where both those groups are struggling, you're just seeing them get rid of honors education. But what that means is that there are now no black or working-class white kids that are coming out of those schools reading at grade level. So that, that's the problem. This, this may all sound good, everyone's performing equally, but nobody can read. That's why everyone's performing equally.
1: Yeah, uh, and getting back to the critical race theory thing, and we're talking to uh, Wilfred Riley. He's a political science professor at Kentucky State. Um, in in your piece for uh, City Journal today, well, first of all, I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you a little bit off the subject before I get to that. Um, have you heard Kamala Harris's comments about the United States that she made on Columbus Day?
7: No, actually, I haven't. Well, I haven't I'm not a regular Harris watcher, so I missed. Yeah,
1: but- well, she's you know been she's been keeping herself pretty well hidden, but she uh, you can Google it somewhere. Uh, you e- easily find it. I heard it uh, multiple places today. She basically said that. Um, you know every October whatever it was twelfth uh, we celebrate this um, Christopher Columbus day but the Europeans who came here uh, be, it was she went on to say it was uh began um, a period of slaughter of uh, stealing of land she just went on and on about what an evil uh ideal it was to come here to the United what well well to where we are now this this continent and uh do what the, the Europeans did. She's absolutely trashed everything about what the people who came from Europe did w- uh, when they got here. And she's the vice president <laughs> yeah. of the United States. Yeah,
7: I, I think this is, this is kind of one of those meaningless moral virtue signals uh, that, that people like to engage in. When, when people say this to me, like the USA is founded on conquest, The the question I asked back in response is, do do you think that it would be better if the United States and Brazil, that beautiful black and Hispanic country that's now G30, and Canada, remember, and Mexico, Mexico's a world power, if none of these countries existed. Instead, they were just led by people of all different races, by the way. And instead, there were just scattered Stone Age tribes on at least the northern part of the continent. And no one will ever say yes to that. So then you get into the complexity of the whole thing. Like, in reality, the discovery of the New World was one of the great things, achievements of humankind that led to the settlement of countries like the USA and Canada. And as part of that, there were bloody wars with atrocities on both sides against the natives, who we still remember and honor great warriors today. They were. They're Americans now. So you can, you can understand that whole picture without saying stupid things like we shouldn't be here. Really? Like, do you think it would be better? Do you think it would be better for the average Apache Indian kid? That's a powerful, fairly successful group still today to have been born in a USA where the West had never landed, than in the USA of today, the most powerful country in the world. And the answer there is so obvious, people will just redirect and say, well, no, no, don't you think that our generals did that things?" Well, sure, it started theirs. I mean, this, this was an uncivilized era 600 years ago, 500 years ago. But now, it, it, is, it, is, it is a bit bizarre to hear our leaders saying this, not radical academics, not
1: native leaders. Yeah, and uh, I saw somewhere yesterday, I don't know you know, the credibility of it, but it was a number that somebody threw out there on a... Uh, some academic, it was um, that the life expectancy uh, of the natives was 29 years old uh, back, you oh, know. Before the, yeah, before, before the old Before, before the I Europeans did. showed up, yeah. Uh, I don't know how they figured that out, but that's what they came up with. But anyway, here's, here's what Kamala Harris said. Since 1934, every October, the United States has recognized the voyage of the European explorers, explorers who first landed on the shores of the Americas. But that is not the whole story. That has never been the whole story. Those explorers ushered in a wave of devastation for tribal nations, perpetrating violence, stealing land, and spreading disease. We must not shy away from this shameful past and we must shed light on it and do everything we can to address the impact of the past on native communities today. That's what she said. So just so you um and there you have it. So that then that I mean it's one thing, uh Wilt for for um just somebody to say that some commentator or something or somebody from black lives matter or whoever wanted to be but this is the vice president of the united states completely trashing the whole idea of coming here and 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 uh, and making a new civilization
7: Uh, yeah and i i I think at some level no one can actually believe this so again i mean if you actually unpack the, what I think of as the old wars, the period of cultural conflict between the Muslim civilizations began in about 700 AD, led like to the Crusades, blacks, whites, natives, there were a massive amount of atrocities that were committed, but it's very silly to look at that through kind of the lens of our era today. I mean, first of all, there weren't any laws of war until 1954. So, I mean, if you were captured by native warriors on the other side, you'd be scalped and left to die. I mean, this was, there's a book about this, Scalp Hands, War on the High Plains. So without excusing anybody's ancestors, I think we've all moved sort of past those moments today into a world where we all live in this country and where substantial amounts of land, money, et cetera, have been given to the great native tribes. So to say things as the president, like none of us should be here. That's why I call this a meaningless virtue thing. Like, are you planning on going home? I mean, Kamala Harris is of Indian descent. If, if not, it's just sort of rote victimization that's replacing the holiday that we've we've celebrated for a hundred years. I, I would prefer the holiday, I suppose. Uh,
1: uh, so, um, you mentioned in your piece for the City City Journal today, and we're talking to Wilfred Riley. Um, you mentioned in your piece today that uh, age is a factor in the different outcomes for blacks and whites, and uh, it's very interesting numbers. Could you throw it out, those throw those out at us?
7: Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I think is whether, and by the way, this is one that the hard right, when you slide into that alt-right friend, this is a game they play as well. But one of the things the West does very constantly is present kind of numbers in the absence of context. So they'll say, well, the average black person has $10,000 in wealth. The average white person has 70000 I believe those are about the figures for Irving Kentucky when I start look. That must be due to racism. What else do you think is due to genetic inferiority? You're racist. The reality is that large groups that differ in terms of things as important as race and religion and so on, at least on the surface, also differ in terms of almost everything else. So, I mean, the figures I dug up for that article that I've used before, are the most common age for a black man in the United States is 27. For a white guy, it's 58. So, I mean, without excusing the gang problem in our community and so on, whether you're looking at crime rate on the one hand or you're looking at wealth on the other hand, it's stupid to compare a 25-year-old guy and a 50-year-old guy. So unless you are adjusting, using what's called regression analysis, unless, unless you're doing real science and taking all that into account, you haven't found anything. You haven't found that blacks are oppressed or whites are superior, you know, anything of the kind. You just found there's an income difference. Now, why is it? Do more black people live in the South, where the wages are half what they are in the urban North? So that—that that is again kind of real social science. If you adjust, you find ninety percent of the gaps always disappear for everything.
1: Yeah, and I have about a minute left, minute and a half left. Um, and if, if, if you, you teach at a uh, at a uh, historically black university, Kentucky State, and I've asked you this before, but I'm curious, um, what are your students, black students especially? What's what what kind of uh, feedback do you get from them when you talk to them about critical race theory and uh, what's happening in school and what are you expecting from the kids that you might be getting in the next couple of years who have had this um, this this theory thrown at them in school
7: Well first of all I will say in the in the good state universities instead of the Ivies and most of the kids that are coming in here want to be police detectives or teachers or something like that. So they'd be a little annoyed if I just wasted a bunch of their time with critical race theory as opposed to how to do regression or this is how to get your license or something like that. But I mean, it, you definitely see the influence of it. The thing that most shocks them, I think, when I drop anyone from Tom Sol to Tom Jefferson on them for a reading assignment, is that they've never heard the other half of the arguments. I mean, they've heard Howard Zinn and Tanahishi Coates and Ibram Kendi and Robin D'Angelo. And they're surprised to realize that there are these much smarter people, uh, Tom Sowell, Charles Murray, and whoever else, on the other side of the fence, Glenn Lowry, John McWhorter. So I, I do think that's part of my goal as someone who's, who's not on the left politically to say, you've got to understand there are two political parties plus 30% plate. Like, there, there are a lot of perspectives out there that you're not being fed. And here they are.
1: Well, I'm out of time, Wilford. Uh, three books. Oh, I, I know that you wrote uh, Taboo, a Hate Crime Hoax, and any other book you want to plug right now?
7: Sure, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty out there. I also <laughs> host the Cut the Bull podcast. I wrote the book, The $50 Million Question. If you Google me, really, you'll, you'll find my, uh, my body of
1: work if you're interested. And you are a passionate tweeter. Where can they find you on Twitter.
7: Um, again, if you Google Wilfred Riley, it's W I L F R E D. I mean, one of the first um, searches, the Irish last name. One of the first searches is my Twitter account, website, all my articles. So I'm I'm pretty easy to get in touch with, like most you know post 35 businessmen <laughs> in this world.
1: Uh, great follow on Twitter, and a, uh, great to have you on the show. Always, thanks. Sounds good. Have a good one. Okay, you too, Wilfred Riley. That was, and we will be right back.
0: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Problems affecting the U.S. supply chain have most Americans concerned, but they are already noticing shortages in stores, and they expect the federal government to take action to solve the crisis. Details from correspondent Bernie Bennett.
1: A new national telephone and online survey by Rasmussen Reports and Human Events finds that 85% of American adults are concerned that supply chain problems may lead to shortages of basic items, including 49% of their very concerned only 11% are not concerned about the problem. Concerns have grown amid reports that dozens of cargo ships are waiting to be unloaded at the Port of Los Angeles, while thousands of cargo containers are piled up in the Port of Savannah. 62% of Americans say they've already noticed shortages of basic items in stores where they live, while 30% say they haven't noticed shortages. Bernie Bennett reporting.
0: On Wall Street stocks remain higher now, The Dow is up 533 points. This is SRN News. Spend a third of your life in bed. That's
8: why we make the most comfortable sheets in the very best way. I'm Scott Tannen. Eight years ago, my wife, Missy, and I founded Bolin Branch to create the new standard in bedding. We source pure organic cotton and put workers' rights first. Today, Bolin Branch makes the highest quality sheets in the entire industry. You'll feel the difference of our famous signature sheets. They're made from pure organic cotton and get softer with every single wash. Now's the perfect time to try Bolin Branch sheets, pillows, bath towels, and so much more. Each is made with super soft organic cotton by workers who are paid fairly and have come to feel like family. It's time to make the better choice and get the new standard in bedding. Visit BollandBranch.com today for free shipping and returns.
3: Experience a new
6: standard of comfort at com and take 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code GOLD. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Promo code GOLD.
0: Hugh Hewitt explains the latest debt ceiling deal.
7: What the Republican leader did, McConnell, is simply say, okay, we've been warning you for four months. Now the media is trying to persuade everyone that we sprung this on you. So we will give you another four weeks, maybe even eight weeks, to get this done via reconciliation. But we're not going to bail you out a second time. They have to fix this. The Hugh Hewitt Show.
0: Weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9, on AM 1250. The answer.
4: This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy & Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit A-H.
6: We love our cellular shades from Blinds.com. They're beautiful and make our entire house feel more like home.
5: Thousands of customers update their home every month with Blinds.com. Whether you just moved to a new place or just want to give your home a little love this fall, go to Blinds.com for brand new window treatments and make your house feel more like home. Blinds.com makes it easy and affordable to upgrade your whole house with the latest styles, premium materials, and even motorization with no hidden fees or misleading quotes. Not sure where to start? Get advice from a Blinds.com professional design consultant for free. Whether you want to do it yourself or have them handle the measuring and installation for you, Blinds.com has you covered with free shipping and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. Go to Blinds.com now to shop and save up to 35% off site-wide. That's Blinds.com for up to 35% off. Blinds.com. Pay over time with PayPal credit at Blinds.com. PayPal credit is subject to credit approval. Visit Blinds.com slash PayPal for details. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Apply. am 1250 and fm 92.5 the answer wpgp pittsburgh 223 cs pittsburgh a division of salem media group listen on the answer mobile app smart speakers tune in iheart or odyssey stuck in traffic we've got the answer
4: we have a crash on the Parkway East Inbound as you approach the Boulevard of the Allies. The shoulder is blocked. It's jammed up from 885. Also, inbound delays. Wilkinsburg-Forest Hills to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel from Grand Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. We have outbound delays, too, right between the Boulevard of the Allies and the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. The PA Turnpike westbound getting better, actually. pittsburgh monroeville Allegheny Valley. That accident cleared. I'm Ann Evans, and that's a look at traffic.
0: AM 1250. The answer.
6: Weather. Tonight, expect partly cloudy skies. It will be warm with a late-night thunderstorm. Tonight's low, 64. Humid tomorrow and remaining warm. With intervals of clouds and sunshine, we'll see a couple of showers in the afternoon. Tomorrow, we'll reach a high of 79. Saturday will be breezy with periods of rain. The high, 64. However, temperatures will fall into the middle 50s. With your Mackie Weather Forecast,
1: I'm Drew Shannon.
0: The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer.
1: Uh, yesterday, we told you about Katie Coric, uh admitting that she edited an interview with Ruth Bader Ginsburg a few years ago to eliminate negative comments she made about Colin Kaepernick uh, kneeling during the national anthem. Uh, RBG said she did it to, or I'm sorry, Katie Couric said she did it to uh, protect RBG. Last night, I came across a tweet from Samantha Narovi, who had her, uh, Narove, I'm sorry, Narove, who had her own experience with Katie Couric. And Samantha joins us now. Samantha, thanks for being here. Well, thanks, John. So um, this began with you being injured in the Iraq War. Uh, Let's start there. You were a paratrooper, which is uh, a a pioneer thing for a woman, is it not?
3: Well, it is. And uh, I was jumping out of airplanes back in the 80s. My first uh, desert experience was Operation Desert Storm. I was on one of the first airplanes that landed in country. And then I went back in 2008 to Iraq for Operation Iraqi Freedom, and that's when I was met- injured and then medevaced back.
1: Okay, and and uh, what would, what about your story interested Katie Corrick and, and, and got her attention and got her in touch with you?
3: Well, they were interested in doing a Salute to Troops program, and they really wanted to emphasize post-traumatic stress disorder. I was at Walter Reed at the time going through PTSD recovery, they reached out to me and asked if I would participate in her show. To be honest, I was, uh, well, I was apprehensive, to say the least. Um, but I did, because I felt like it was the right thing to do to talk about PTSD and my issues.
1: And that was it? Just the, uh, just, she, but she, how did she find you? I guess is what I'm I'm asking. I mean, lots of people came back with PTSD, uh, how did she, how did she settle on you and decide that you were going to be the the subject of her of her story?
3: Well, I'm sure that her producers reached out to a number of people. Uh, I knew people who who her producers had worked with previously, and I was one of the senior people at Walter Reed going through the PTSD recovery program. It wasn't uncommon for people to contact Walter Reed and asked to interview us. Uh, PTSD and mental health issues were becoming more widely accepted and definitely much more talked about. And I think that's how, I would say that's probably how she found us.
1: And according to your tweet that I saw last night, uh, she wasn't as interested in your story as much as she was interested, it seems to me, in using you to tell the story she wanted to tell.
3: (laughs) That's absolutely true because it was fake news. Seriously, I got to New York. They flew me up there. And then during the photo shoot in Central Park, they told me to slump over, look at the ground, look sad. And then the kicker was when they asked me if I could cry because that would be better optics. Then back at the studio, I was in the sound booth recording the voiceover for the show the following day. And when I got to the part about being drenched in my best friend's blood, holding her in my arms as she died on the battlefield, yeah, I stopped, And I'm like, they told him that never happened. And then that's when the producers told me that Katie personally made the changes to my story because she felt it would resonate with her audience better. Yeah. Still not true. And I was there to talk about PTSD and to help other veterans not be a bit player in their fake news fantasy. So I walked away.
1: Now, and let's, let's be uh, clear here. This is Katie Corrick. Uh, you know, uh, the former co-host of the Today Show, and the person who took over, uh, uh, it was in it was in the the um, uh, CBS News as the anchor and sitting in Walter Cronkite's chair at CBS. For I don't know how many years. One of the worst hires in the history of television, by the way, but that's another story. But this is who we're talking about, and and this was for C- uh, sixty minutes, correct? Well,
3: this was for her show, the
1: Katie Couric show. Oh, okay, uh, and but. She decided that she was going to have you have your friend uh, 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 die in your arms as you were soaked with your friend's blood, and it never happened.
3: It never happened. I did not deploy with my best friend. My best friend, therefore, did not die on a battlefield, and I was never drenched in my best friend's blood. It was, it was just it was fake news, which really brings everything she's done into fake news. That's her brand. So fake news... The Katie Kirk Show, totally on brand for her.
1: And um, what you talk about what what went on in Central Park. They asked you to cry. Could you please cry for, uh, for, uh, to make this story better? They actually said that to you? Any chance you could actually cry? They actually said that to me.
3: They told me when I was walking and they were take, doing some B-roll, they said, well, you need to slump over because you're standing really too straight. So well, look at the ground, and then they asked me to sit on this rock, and I even have a picture of this, and they were taking, you know, a photo, and he said, well, you know, if you were just, if you looked a little more sad, could you, can you cry? I mean, think of something, and maybe, because if, if you're crying on camera, that would really be good optics.
1: And you get the you got the feeling that these uh, directions were coming from Katie that well, that's what they she told won? me it was they told you oh
3: they absolutely told me when I did the uh, when I was reading for the voiceover, They put a lot of pressure on me. They said, Katie personally made these changes. You know, we took your story to Katie and she felt <laughs> that these additions would uh, this would be better this would resonate this would appeal to her audience more so really this is where they were pressuring me this is what she wants so it's really important for you to read this because this is what she's expecting and uh, i said no way i'm not going to do it i'm not lying no
1: so what was the response when you how, how when you said I'm, this isn't true i'm not i'm not doing this did they try to talk you into it
3: oh totally tried to pressure me into it. That's when they started telling me that it was Katie personally.
1: Yeah, was that yeah, Katie how, wh-
3: personally
1: made these changes. But Katie... I that would impress me. Yeah, Katie saying that she wanted it would, would make you change your mind on whether you're going to lie or not. Oh, I, I wasn't going to lie, but now that you told me Katie wants me to lie, then I'm good with it. What do you want me to lie about? What kind of stupidity is that? Not to mention arrogance.
3: Well, arrogance. I mean, we're talking serious arrogance. And, well... Now that we're on the topic of arrogance, after I told them to pan sa- pound sand, because I was not going to deal with professional liars, I walked away from the show. I just—I told them, absolutely, I was not going to participate. The next week, when I fly back home yeah, the next day, and then about a week later, I get a gift basket.
1: A gift basket? A,
3: basket of, a gift basket of Katie swag a fleece jacket, a coffee mug, beach towels, et cetera, all with the Katie logo in big, bold letters. Seriously, tone deaf much? Oh,
1: um, come on. They sent you a – I thought you were going to say they, uh, uh, that when you said they sent you a gift basket, maybe it was fruit or something. It was useful. They sent you a m- I, mugs with her logo on it?
3: Mugs with her logo and, a, like I said, fleece jacket and a tumbler. I mean, it was a big gift basket. Seriously, she gravely insults an injured combat veteran and then sends me a basket of Katie swag. And and I already told her producer on the phone on my way to the airport that Katie was nothing more than a no-good rotten liar who was willing to hurt anyone for a bump in her ratings. And I, they sent me a swag basket.
1: Was the gift basket personalized at all from, by Katie?
3: She
1: said f- yeah thank you yeah but she yes, she had her signature it had her signature yes so so Katie cork says well this person's not going to lie we gave it a good shot here let's send her a basket of my stuff this will really help her this will make her make her day send send her a, my autograph on a mug or whatever it was just this is unbelievable uh we're talking to, to uh to to Samantha Narove." Um, and how, how, when did this happen, Samantha?
3: This was back in May of 2013.
1: So it's not that long ago. I mean, it's not like no. 20 years ago or something. so uh, and, and what was was Katie the anchor or the CBS news anchor at that time still?
3: You know, I don't recall if she was still the anchor. I do know that she had her own show and that's you know where I was participating was the Katie Couric show.
1: But it was and, CBS. You know, was it? Was it? What network was it? You were dealing with?
3: I, you know, I don't recall. I thought it was ABC, but it could have been CBS.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I saw some um, responses to your tweet, and there are people out there doubting your story and asking for proof that this happened. That it, you know that you're the one who is uh, uh, guilty of fake news here. What's your response to those people?
3: Well first response is they must be on the left.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
3: I mean, that's kind of obvious because you know, they are the, they are fake news. So if anyone else is you know, telling the truth, putting out an actual factual story, they're going to try to shoot it down. And so my first answer is, okay, you're on the left. My second answer is, I've got the proof this morning after last night and after seeing some of those responses I sent out I put out on Twitter uh, a couple photos I put out part of the one of the emails that uh, I had sent my husband when I was on my way to the airport um, yeah because I've got I've got emails from the show I've got correspondence from the show yeah. and really you know I don't have to prove Anything, because truth is the proof.
1: Yeah, I saw the pictures on Twitter, and you, there's a picture of you in Central Park sitting there. Uh, and you can—the picture was taken from behind the cameraman. Uh, I guess this is when they were telling you to uh, look sadder. You weren't looking sad yes. enough. Um, did you complain to CBS about this at all, at any point, or to ever to I don't know to the Katie Couric show producers, whoever that was?
3: To the producers, yes, but other than that, I moved on with my life. I wasn't going to dwell on Katie Couric and what she was doing. It was what she did to me was hurtful. It was insulting, uh, and I wasn't interested in dwelling in that space. Recovering from PTSD is a tough process. I mean it. It's holding on to hope. When hope seems like it is, hope left the room, hope left the building, mm-hmm. but looking for it everywhere, looking for things to hold on to, to keep us grounded. I wasn't, I just, I was not going to say anything. I wasn't looking to say anything now. But when she's trying to capitalize on fake news, because she'll, you know, talk about RBG and what RBG had said the interview that they had. And then the fact that she just left out things that RBG said that would not have gone well. The left would not have liked what RBG said about Kaepernick. You know, when Colin Kaepernick Kaepernick took a knee and, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not in favor of that. Well, that didn't fit the left narrative. So Katie just deleted that. Well, she puts it in her book. Now she wants to get I I don't know, a gold star maybe, brownie points. (laughs) I'm not really sure what she's looking for here because it's not a good look for her for what she did. No. And if she's going to face the music for that, think about, and the reason why, and this is really the bottom line, this is why I'm telling, you know, sharing what happened to me, is she did this to me. She's admitted doing it to RBG. And what about the... Hundreds of other people, thousands of other people, she's done this to over a career.
1: Well, do it's you do you know if she ever did a story um, with someone else? In other words, okay, uh, Samantha didn't didn't go along with the program. Did she find another PTSD uh, sufferer and and do a story on that person? Do you know?
3: I believe she did. I believe there there was a segment, uh, and they did have someone else.
1: And, and, and there's no reason to believe anything they said in the segment about what. Not, not, I mean,
3: not a thing.
1: No. Uh, before I let you go, uh, we're talking to Samantha Nerove. Uh, what is americamatters.com? You're the founder of that.
3: Well, americamatters.com and America Matters Now on Facebook. We're an issue, issue advocacy nonprofit, and we focus on putting out real news. We put out facts. So that people can make their own decision about things that are facing this country.
1: What a concept, Samantha! You better be careful with that telling the truth. Some...
3: Oh, I know, John. It's uh, <laughs> it's all we do. Yeah. Um, thank you for doing the same.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, when I saw that tweet last night, I had to I had to get you on because uh, I just I ended the show last night with that ridiculous story about uh, Katie and the um, uh, NRBG. and R B G and. Uh, she should have stuck with doing recipes on the Today Show, I guess, because that's she. She was in over her head at CBS as the anchor, and she's not to be believed. But I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you, John. Okay, that's Samantha Narova, and it's uh, americamatters.com. dot com. Check it out. We'll be back.
8: Confused about Medicare? Let me help you navigate the maze. My name is Tom Yakupin, agency owner at West Penn Life and Health in Washington. My staff and I represent several Medicare health plans that you know and trust, and we've helped many people just like you with caring, personal attention. Medicare can be confusing, so now's the time to schedule your meeting with me where you can ask questions and get answers you'll fully understand. Call today and ask for me, Tom Jacopin, at West Penn Life & Health, 724-228-7187. We offer real solutions for life, health, Medicare, and annuities. And we're a member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating for a reason. Call West Penn Life & Health right now, 724-228-7187. And ask for me, Tom Yakupin, 724-228-7187.
1: A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All. With 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at Pittsburgh.com. That's Pittsburgh.com.
4: When was the last time you watched your home movies? Do you have a VCR anymore? What about a film projector? With technology constantly changing, most families don't have a way to enjoy their recorded memories. Trapped on VHS, camcorder tapes, film reels, and photos. That's why we created Legacy Box over a decade ago. Legacy Box is an affordable mailed-in kit to have your aging media digitized to DVD, thumb drive, or the cloud. Our trained technicians digitize everything by hand right here in the U.S. Imagine being able to easily relive weddings, graduations, baby's first steps, and more. Get started future-proofing your memories today so you can gather the whole family together and begin the trip down memory lane. Plus, for a limited time, we're offering 40% off. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get an exclusive 40% off. Buy today to take advantage of this incredible offer and send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX.
1: Hi, this is John Steigerwald. Does stopping tobacco or cutting down make you feel like a zombie? That's so unnecessary. MyNicotineTest.com was founded by the director of the New York City Fire Department Tobacco Program, and their science-based approach has a quit rate of 70%, and they can help you. MyNicotineTest.com, individualized to your personal chemistry with your smartphone, guarantees the highest success. Knowing your personal nicotine number directs your success the way you want at your pace. Now, for a limited time, receive your expert tobacco coaching free with your nicotine test purchase. Go to MyNicotineTest.com to get started. You can stop without the cravings and cold turkey withdrawals that keep you smoking. It works with all tobacco products, including vaping and smokeless. MyNicotineTest.com, your best and last stop for your freedom from tobacco. Not a smoker? Order a gift card for your loved one. There are no failures, only tobacco users that have not yet found MyNicotineTest.com. Right now, go to MyNicotineTest.com. This
0: is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM
1: 92.5. The Answer. By the way, that was the Katie Show, and it was a uh, syndicated uh, show back then, and it was in uh, 2014. Uh, From 2012 to 2015, something like that. Um, But anyway, I got a real quick, I'll try to get through this quickly enough. Uh, My own fake news story. When I was in college, there was a kid named Chris Johnson. He was was laying on the floor in his apartment uh, without a shirt on. And uh, his roommate came in and dumped a, a, a glass of ice on him. He said, you can put all the ice you want on me. I'm not going to move. So anyway, to make this long story a little shorter, he ended up in the bathtub with people piling ice onto him, and he tried to set the Guinness Book of Records for the longest time under ice. Uh, And so it, it, it ended up getting national attention because I worked at the radio station there. UPI picked it up. So a few months later, Playboy magazine calls, and says that they're doing a, a series on uh, uh, college campuses. This was their preview, um, you know, their college fall preview um, issue. And they wanted to do a story on Chris Johnson. So they they brought uh, a woman in, a model from Akron. They paid her 50 bucks. She took off her shirt, was topless. She sat in a bathtub. And I was there, and there were a couple of my friends, and we all were watching her, and... Playboy magazine reported that this was a new fad on the campus at Kent State University where uh, people would get naked and, and dump ice on them. It never happened. And remember, at that time, Playboy magazine was not just a girly magazine. It was doing serious interviews, serious stories, and they had some credibility, some, some actual journalistic credibility. That was my first example of fake news. Absolutely 100% fake and they went with it, and I was part of it, I'm ashamed to say. But my picture is still in the 1972 college preview version of Playboy. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's